Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats. My name is Kirsty Rice and I'm one half of the Two Fat Expats and this is my co-host Nikki Moffat. Hello Nikki Moffat. Hello Kirsty Rice. Now we've been expats for a very long time. We're those expat dinosaurs that you meet, that we tell you about traveling around the world without Google Maps and Instagram and Facebook buy and sell groups. Um, If you call yourself an expat or an economic migrant, you might want to join our Facebook group, Two Fat Expats. There's about 40,000 of us and it's a wealth of information when it comes to moving all around the world. Okay, Nikki Moffat, let's get started on this week's podcast. We talked at the end of last year and by the way, I can't believe we actually are back here in the first week of January like we said we would. Yay, us. Amazing. Um, But we talked about, we usually do would you, could you? But I, I thought maybe we might change it up a bit to how will you? So, Nikki, my first question for the how will you is going to be about your impending repatriation, which is going to happen this year. So I want to ask you, Nikki, how will you not be offended when you repatriate and no one gives a flying fig about your expat life. That's a cracker, Kirsty. I saw a, a similar question in the group of someone saying they'd repatriated or was it they repatriated or they were visiting after two years away and just no one was giving them anything uh-huh. on their, no one was sort of responding to them or asking them about their overseas life. They seemed only interested in their own lives. And it, 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 I read every mm. single response because there are a lot of responses on there. Mm. I was like, this is going to be me. Um, <laughs> and the, the question, well, possibly going to be me. The answer is, how will I? Possibly very badly. It, it reminded me of when I first met my, my husband, Sam, and we we're at university and we went over the break to Adelaide. There's a group of about 10 people from uni and we stayed for about two weeks and went to two twenty or two or three twenty firsts of all the people from Adelaide, from Armadale had the 21st at the same time. When we went back to uni the following year, Apparently, all we said was, when we were in Adelaide, when we were in Adelaide, so this group of people, we were talking to each other and we're out. And one of my friends pulled me aside and said, if I hear you say in Adelaide one more time, I'm going to stop talking to you or I'm going to throw this drink on you or something. And I went, okay, good point. And, you know, realized that not everybody had been in Adelaide. And so I didn't have to talk about it all the time. But at that time, my 19-year-old self, it was a very big part of my life. And now I'm thinking there's 20 years that are a very big part of my life and I'm going to be returning and repatriating. Um, I guess the things, it's a a lot of things. You know, I I hope to be very busy doing other things so I don't have time to be offended by things and I have to relearn a lot of stuff and uh, mm-hmm. find out, you know, reacquaint myself. We always say that a repatriation is, is not a, it's not a something that it's the hardest move you ever do and it's not something that's familiar. So it takes a lot longer to understand. So you sort of have to listen. I guess it's also, to me, I thought about it and I think it's kind of an age and stage thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was younger or um, or when I was doing other things or when I thought yes. my life should be more exciting, etc. Maybe I would have cared more if people weren't interested in hearing about 
my amazing overseas life and all the countries I've lived in. Whereas now I'm like, mm, maybe it's a stage yeah. of my life where I'm thinking, whatever, everyone's got their own shit going on. <laughs> Do you think it's because when you get older, you kind of start to realise you're really not that special? It's not... You know, like it's really hard to talk about without sounding incredibly offensive to those that are hurt by the fact that not everybody wants to know about their expat life because I feel like, yes, I understand your pain that it feels like nobody's interested in whatever. But when you break it down, Nikki, as simply as you just have about your trip to Adelaide, it's the same as any friend who goes on a holiday, like they go to Italy and they come back and they want to tell you all about yeah. Italy, there's only a certain amount of that you, you can put up with because you weren't there and it doesn't mean anything to you. And unless you're going there, you won't have an interest in um, what was eaten or where was the best place to go or who was the fabulous person that you met. And, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Nikki. It's definitely age and stage because I think probably in my early expat years I wanted to come back. I desperately wanted to talk to all of my, you know, friends at home about it. It's and not their lived experience. Yeah, no yeah. one cares because it's not their life. Yeah, it's not their lived experience. They don't know who the people are that you're talking about. It's really boring for them if you tell them about your fabulous friends from Scotland who did what they don't know them, they're not going to meet them, they don't, they just don't care. And also, they want to talk to you about what you're doing with them now. They want your relationship with them to grow and be something. And and you just talking about your old life just hold you back from doing that because it just reinforces all the time that you're somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, which I yeah. think is is a different to if you're visiting. So if I'm going back and I'm living, I'm like I have to live here, so I have to I have to, you know, address it in that way. If you're visiting yeah. it and you then you're going back, it can feel a little bit different because you want people to be interested yes. in what you're doing. You want people to visit you, you know, you all those kinds of things. I, I think yes. the other thing is is also look for it so what we say to everybody is when you go to a new location find the people who are there who are long-termers who've done it before you and get feedback and and advice from them so I would certainly look for advice from those who've gone before me luckily I have quite a vast pool of those people available to me in my home country and uh, what I have noticed is a lot of my friends in Australia who were expats do stick together and so, or have found yes. other people who've lived the same kind of life. And when I was in Brisbane recently, yeah. I went to a lunch and there were 10 women at the table and I knew two of them, but we had all lived in Hong Kong in the last 20 years. So it was just, yeah. and, and no one there necessarily had all known each other beforehand. It's just that they had then coalesced in and found each other through certain networks and then you know, going out and we just had like <laughs> some hilarious conversations that you just can't have with other people because these are the only people who want to hear about when we lived overseas, other people who've lived overseas. Yes. And so there was a, there was yes. that kind yes. of thing. So if you save, save it for those special occasions, you know, you can, you know, reminisce on those yeah. in those situations yeah. and then you've got to move forward and live your life where it is which you know which is one of yeah. the hardest things about moving you always there are people you leave behind people you want to talk about people you want to connect with um 
but you have to make a community where you move to and you choose in a way who's in that community and sometimes you don't have a lot of choices and sometimes you have more choices so it's just a matter of where you end up and and how you do it but I think I'll have to um enact the family motto uh which we try to have in our family which is don't be a dick and so I'll just have to remind myself of that quite often if I start pontificating about particular locations or (laughs) food groups do you know what I think it is I did see the post about the person who, and you're right, they weren't repatriating. They were going, they were home for the festive season and they just felt that, you know, people were minimising their yep. experience or, or just didn't want yep. to know about it, basically. Yep. They weren't even minimising it. They just didn't want to talk about it. And I think there is an unfortunate kind of um, intonation of superiority when I read people's advice and the first thing they say is oh they don't understand your life because their life hasn't changed and their life has stayed the same and so they can't even begin to understand your life I do eye roll at that because I think well there lies your problem of why people think you're a dick because you think that about their lives because their lives have changed just in different ways that you're not seeing so if you if you can't see that their lives have changed because you're just saying, oh, well, you're living in the same place, in the same house, in the same thing, so you're just a little bit boring, <laughs> whereas me, oh, my goodness, you know, I've had an amazing life for the last two years. That level of superiority is coming across loud and clear because you're also not listening to them as much as they're not listening to you. So yes, I have I have no doubt Nikki, you will not be like that because your experience you've gone through this over and over and over and over and over again where you've re-entered and exited and and yeah, and I think you know you and I have had this conversation many times where you've said you can't believe when you come to see me at the beach <laughs> that no one seems to even know that I have another life somewhere else. And yeah, we don't really don't really talk about it because it's boring to everybody around yeah. us. So what, one thing I was really uh, um, interested in was when I came and met your kids and and we had the conversations about how they related, so what they told, where they told people at school they were from, et cetera, et cetera. This was a few years ago when they were all still at school. And they all said, oh, we say we're from here. You know, we say we're from Port Wollonga. And I was like, really? Yeah. And I couldn't really understand that. But I, because oh, I was in the middle of my, but but. You've just, you live overseas, your parents, you know, you've lived overseas your whole life, you're all born overseas, but that wasn't important to them. What was important to them was being able to relate to the people that they were with and and the way yes. to do that was to say that they were from Port Wollonga. It's not to say that when they yeah. ha- had friends, and I know your children do have friends who are from overseas who go to school with them or have been to school with them, and so they have a slightly different relationship with them, but the overall relationship and relating yeah. they were doing was in in relationship to yeah. I'm from here. Yeah, because we dumb it down, don't we? It's like um, in the same way my son came um, to Australia, like he started school in the fourth term of year eight and he said that when people ask him, when did you start at PAC, which is the school that he's at, um, when they say, when did you start, he said he goes to say, 
I started in the fourth term because I was living in Doha and then the pandemic came and then my dad got sick and then we repatriated, blah, 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 blah. And he said, and then he stops himself and goes, I started in year eight. Yeah, because he said, I just know I don't want to, if I go down that path, it's a whole different conversation. And, yes, I think expats do that all the time. Where are you from? And then they they make a choice. Are you going to tell the whole story or are you just, just going to yeah. dumb it down? Tell the little yeah, story. Until you've got past that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's good advice actually, Nikki, when you think about that. Just dumb it down to the lowest thing. And then as the relationship develops, if people want to know more, you can do more. But quite often they don't want the whole story, nobody, which is a sad fact of life, isn't yeah. it? Sad but true. Yeah. I think my daughter wishes she had somewhere else to say she was from because she said, I've explained to so many people where Denmark is. <laughs> okay, Nikki, what's your how will you? Okay, so Kirsty, my question to you is similar and I'm after your advice. So how will you greet the newcomers you encounter in your current location when you know you are leaving a current destination? Yes. Uh, and just to, to qualify, I am not leaving <laughs> my current location. Location. Uh, yes, but I know what you mean because I gather, Nikki, you are now going through the phase of you meet new friends and the minute you say you're leaving, you're dead meat. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yeah well are you so this is what I'm this is I'm interested in this yes yes so how will you and I think number one don't be offended by it because you know it it's fight or flight isn't it and in that experience when people arrive when people arrive in a new location they're desperate um to sort of make new friends and find new people and an error they can make is to discard people that aren't going to be around for long because what I would say Nikki is you need to focus on what you have to offer and that is that you have just a wealth of information on on that location and also you can almost offer and this is a a strange way to put it but you can almost offer your spot because your spot in Denmark is about to become open and so they could slot into your spot very easily (laughs) so I always think about when we I went for my uh, quick visit over to KL that we were moving to you know in a couple of months time and met a fantastic woman who was leaving and you know there's that instant crushing oh, bummer, I really like you and now you're going to leave. But it was also, oh, now I can have your car, I can have your house, (laughs) I can have your network and I can have all the information in the world that you've gathered in your time here. And that's kind of exactly what happened. She just was happy to um, become fast friends and give me all that information and and let me kind of move into her life and we joked about it all the time so I think don't forget what you have to offer what you might want to sell <laughs> what you might want to give away you know to make someone else's transition easier but I think from your end Nikki is just don't be offended by it because You've probably done it in your expat life to someone where you thought, oh, well, you're out the door. There's no point really fostering a strong friendship here because it's going to be impossible. What do you think? How will you um, greet the newcomers you encounter? 
Yeah, so I was thinking it more from my perspective, like am I going to totally disengage? Yes. And, you know, because we've always yes. talked about and, and we know the what the the hardened expats who are just like, oh, I'm not open for new friends. I'm just uh, dealing with my own stuff here now. Yeah. I'm leaving. And, you know, you yes. see them and they're so at ease and they're so confident and comfortable in their group. And But they'll say flat out to your face, oh, you know, it would have been nice to get to know you, but I'm leaving. And <laughs> you just think, yes, but we might be friends. How would you ever freaking know? Like I, I, that has happened to me a couple of times and I've just thought, wow like to be that confident to be able to say well you know maybe yes not meant to be and I'm always like but you could meet the most amazing person I mean one of the most one of my favorite people I've ever met was here with me in Denmark just for one year and and you know from very early on I knew she was leaving and she'd been here for 10 years but I was like no I, I don't accept it I don't not accept that she was leaving, but I didn't accept that I couldn't be friends with her because she was leaving, you know, that kind of thing. So I want to be able to yeah. still engage to, to new people and say, you know, I'm here and, and all the things that you said. So what, what information I might have to offer? Certainly lots of things to sell and give away. Got a lot of things. Um, <laughs> very happy to do that. <laughs> and um, again, you know, try and stick with the, you know, don't be a dick so just really think when you're engaging in in communities and and with groups that you don't that you still extend a a, a, a leaf or an arm of friendship to the new people you don't sort of give them don't make the effort to get to know them just because you might be leaving you know still go forward with the because you never know what can open up to you. I mean, that's the whole point about living this kind of lifestyle, the, the amazing people that you meet that you would never meet if you just stayed at home doing your thing. Because you are, you're straddling two worlds at the moment, mm. aren't you, where you're spending a lot of time focusing on what's ahead but also having to pack up what's behind. So it's, oh, it, it is, I mean, this is why they say this is the hardest move. Because it really is so um, shattering in so many ways. You know, it takes so much energy. Anyway, my friends who yeah. know me here, be kind and gentle. <laughs> okay, Nikki, good luck with all of that. <laughs> Best of British, as they say. <laughs> I think there will be a lot to talk about in the, in the coming weeks about how, how you are negotiating that move. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there who are have either just done it or are just about to do it or can see it in their future. In the meantime, Nikki, we're going to talk about our three favourite things. And my favourite, favourite thing this last week has been a series that uh, is on Paramount Plus in Australia. I don't know what that means elsewhere, but it's a British six-part television series called The Flat Share. And it's based on Beth O'Leary's novel that has the same name. It is fabulous. Have you read or seen any of it so far? I have not. So the premise, and I'm so, you know, sometimes when you see the premise of a movie or a book and you go, that's so clever and so simple and I know instantly I'm going to love this because I just love this idea. So the idea of it is one-bedroom apartment in London and 
obviously both parties need to save their money um, to live or can't afford it. And so one gets the apartment from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. and the other gets the apartment in the other time. And how it gets managed on the weekends is one goes to their girlfriend's house and the other gets the house for the weekend. And so when you arrive, you put your sheets on the bed and you sleep on the bed and then in the morning you, you know, take yours off and vice versa. And it... It is such a beautiful story. I definitely want to read the novel now, but um, in that it is a romance, it's a male-female, and you get to see the pictures of both of their lives and and how those lives, you know, there's a lot of split screen and just missing each other and how they talk to each other is all via post-it notes Um, and it's very cute and just a really lovely story like it's that uh, that thing that you're quite sad when it ends because it was just easy watching um and you you were sort of taken into their lives for a little while and you're sad to see them go so it's it's nothing that's going to be too heartbreaking or um scary to watch or too upsetting it's just a nice easy six-part series so I would definitely recommend that one Um, The other thing that I'm doing at the moment is reading Matthew Perry's autobiography and it reminded me of, it's got a really good prologue which kind of just gets you sucked into straight away. The prologue with Matthew Perry kind of reminded me of James Frey's A Million Little Pieces which was, uh, it was an Oprah book that went bananas. I loved that, before Oprah loved it. Yes, (laughs) Yes, and then it sort of came out that maybe he hadn't been completely Mm. honest in his uh, recollection, Um, but it was a great book. Anyway, Matthew Perry's prologue is is very similar in that you're you're taken to a time in his um, uh, journey with drugs and alcohol of where things are really dire and, and he's a he's really should be dead and you're just whizzing through his journey going wow I I just don't think I realized that this was Matthew Perry's life the other thing that's really quite striking is his voice and his speech it it it's that same way of talking that we saw in the friends reunion when everybody thought that he was under the influence of drugs and alcohol because he's got sort of this slurred speech which I gather is a result of how he's lived his life over the last, you know, 30 years. Um, Because he's in his early 50s, Matthew Perry, and he's gone hard for a very long time. And he's very honest. I'm only, um, I'm doing it as an audio book, so I'm probably, you know, two and a half hours in. And he's he's dropping names left, right and centre where I've thought, oh, I wonder if Gwyneth Paltrow wants everyone to know that you and her made out in the closet at that party <laughs> or like does is there a phone call that happens when you start to discuss those things? But 
he's um, very self-deprecating um, in being honest about the things that are going on in his life, certain body parts that aren't working at certain times that you might want them to. Um, but at the same time, it is, and I, I mean, you're reading an autobiography, so you should expect people to be very self-involved in what they're doing and telling, but it's, um, you can just feel that it's someone who's had a lot of therapy, who is very used to talking about themselves and how they feel about every single thing and the effect that their parents have had on them and the effect of their childhood and, you know, every situation. There's a lot of that. What I hadn't realised was that Matthew Perry's mother worked for Pierre Trudeau. So Matthew oh, yeah, Perry. yeah, I think I did read spent, that somewhere. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think I knew it but kind of didn't know yeah. it. Do you know I had forgotten that? Um, and... And and they, I think there's an inference that maybe it was more than working. Mm. Um, and she, yes, and um, that he had a not so great relationship with Justin. Um, but yeah, look, there's a lot in there, and and I really like. I think it's a a really good read or audio book, however you want to do it. Um, and so that's my second. My third one is Cherry Cherry Yum Yum. So Cherry Cherry Yum Yum, I I came across on Instagram under the New York Times food and it is one of the New York Times food writers has included his grandmother's Christmas Cherry Cherry Yum Yum recipe, which is the most basic of basic. And he giggles all the way through it saying this it's hysterical that this has made it to the New York Times food page because it really isn't, you know, high end. But I highly recommend go look it up if you want one of the easiest desserts that you could make ahead of time and serve up because it's very basic of uh, that biscuit base with the graham crackers and then the cream cheese whipped in with some cream and some almond essence and a layer of that. I think Americans would use tin cherry pie filling, whereas not really easy to find in Australia. We don't do a lot of cherry pies. So I did pitted cherries um, with sort of the sugary syrup that I made up and boiled and reduced and whatever. So then you do the layer of cherries, another layer of the cream cheese, another layer of the graham crackers. It is so simple, but it is one that you can go, I'm going to make this, put this in the fridge for two days. It gets even better after two days because it's all sort of seeped through and settled. Easy peasy and so yummy. And we were all talking about cherry cherry yum yum all all Christmas. So that is one I would recommend. Um, what about you, Nikki Moffat? What have been your three favourite um, things? Well, just before we go on, Kirsty, to my three favourite things, I do want to ask you, before Christmas when we talked all last year, when we last spoke, we talked yes. about our favourite, three favourite things about Christmas. And one of the things we discussed yes. was that you had to make your own crackers in the cupboard and you were going yes. to, you will allocate a job role for somebody to make them up for Christmas Day. Is that, did that happen? Something almost I'm going to say it was better. So I ha I had this brainwave. I don't even know if I've told you about this yet. So the day before Christmas, so I, I went and got the bits and I had full, um, uh, I was going to get one of the kids to help me and they were going to stuff it. So we did just 
cute little, you know, those little love heart candies that have nice little sayings on them and we did some beautiful Hague's chocolates, which are fancy chocolates. But I had this massive, um, and, and I would highly recommend for other people to do this because it was maybe the best thing about Christmas Day. I think it might have been the best thing. Um, I asked the kids and and G to tell me, like I wrote everybody's name down in a text and said, tell me your favourite thing about this person. And so we had my sister was there and my mother and then they all had to write down something else for everyone else in the family. And then I just quickly got out a, you know, scrap piece of paper and wrote those things down and rolled them up and put them in the bonbons. And so my sister opened hers and it said, you know, uh, we love that you look after us when mum's away. We love that you buy the donuts at the football. You always buy the donuts for us at the football. Um, you know, we we love how much you love the football because they all get a kick out of watching Auntie Michelle at the football as well and that she drives down. It's all very exciting because Auntie Michelle comes down and we go to the footy. Um, and so every what? What was the treat for me? Because the kids said, oh, but mum, that's not good because you don't have one because I sort of orchestrated it all. But I said, no, my gift, and it sounds so corny, but it was so true. My gift was listening to the things they all said about each other because things that you go, and even the things they said about their grandmother and their auntie because they, you know, they never mention that they love that Auntie Michelle buys the donuts at the yeah. football, you know. But the fact that all, all of them said it, and they all, they all love Auntie Michelle's unique sort of perspective on the world. My sister's very wise without even realizing she's very wise, but she's got a unique, really funny sense of humor about how she presents things. Um, they all said that same thing. They said how they loved that granny was so caring within her community of people that she's in um, because granny's done a few lovely things lately for for people in need. Um, and I just loved hearing what they said about each other. One, one of my kids said about the other kid, you make me laugh like no one else can make me laugh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so gorgeous that you feel that way about them we couldn't do this in our family because that would not happen yes keep going keep going I want to hear these lovely things one of them one of them said I know I could ring you any time of the night you know I could ring you at any time and you would come and get me or I love how you can fix everything do you know because they're handy and they can just fix things so it was just I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And my sister actually sent me a picture yesterday. She sent me a text and she had her piece of paper and it was up on the fridge and she said, this just makes me happy every day. Aww. So it was like, yeah. That is I, so I lovely. Just, and it and was just one of those, it was just one of those thoughts that I thought, um, oh, maybe I'll throw this in, you know, maybe this would work. And it could have backfired. They all could have said terrible things about each other. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. I like it. I have one question. Did they yes. know? So did you just write a list of things and it wasn't attributed to anybody in particular? Like it was I about somebody. Everyone. Right. But it wasn't from yeah. somebody. Yes. So they didn't know who said right. what about them. Although I reckon they could probably yes. work. 
work it out. Um, but yeah, so you just got told, say, give me the one thing you like about Henry, one thing you like about Annie, one thing you like about Lizzie, you know, whatever. And then they wrote it down. And the thing is, Nikki, it was fast and easy because I I WhatsApped them and they all answered straight back. So it was it was just a fast, easy thing to do and it didn't take me long because I just wrote it down on pen on paper, rolled it up, shoved it in the middle of the bonbon. Perfect. Uh, so, yeah, if anyone's looking for a, a different idea, I have to say I loved it rather than the disposable plastic toys that come and the, you know. And the bad um, dad jokes. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it was nice like- and everybody read theirs out. Oh, that's lovely. That's yeah. very lovely. Mm. Okay, so we we uh, did Danish. The D- Danish have the bonbon Christmas cracker, and I caused a bit of controversy yes. on Instagram by calling them bonbons, <laughs> and I got all this feedback about. I saw that. <laughs> anyway, I, I did. I don't rate the Danish one, so I rate. I think that if you uh, do this, you should follow the Kirsty Rice school of um, making your own <laughs> with those lovely notes inside. All right, so my for my favorite things are Kirsty. It's been a lot of time to watch some trashy TV and so well, I have to tell you, I've been all over it. Now, there's two shows out on Netflix at the moment and you might think they're the same but they're totally different. One is called Treason cool. and it's a BBC show uh, and one is called The Recruit and it's an American show. So the Treason is about MI6 and it's a BBC thing. Oh. And the recruit is about the CIA and it's American. So you think, oh, look at that. Oh. They could not be more different. I can't begin to tell you. <laughs> the recruit is about um, a young guy, a CIA lawyer, whose first week on the job turns upside down when he discovers a threatening letter, blah, blah, blah. And crazy plot continues. It's a guy. It's a guy from the kissing booth. I think I have to say that. Um, if if you're a tween, a teen watcher, you would know Peter. Or is it from? I think it's from all the girls, all the boys I've loved before. <laughs> that one. Anyway, it's from one of my teen shows neither that I, I've watched. Neither before. I have seen. No, so I'm just but your younger son going, would. Yeah. Your younger son would know which one I was talking about. Anyway, um, sorry, he's the recruit on the CIA and it's very American CIA. He is fast-paced, blah, blah, blah. And then you go and watch the one Treason. So this is like about this guy who was trained and groomed by MI6 and his, you know, and then um, something happens and he gets elevated to the top job and it turns out they think he's treason, like he's he has performed treason or committed treason. He's committed treason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Like in the CIA one, that would have taken all eight episodes to get to that point. In the BBC one, it all rolls out in the first episode and you think, where can it possibly go from here? Because I've just got all this information now. I thought it was going to, you know, it was going to eke out over time. But it's just, you know how the BBC and the English do things just totally in a, in a way that differently confounds you also? Like you think, how can they possibly like be doing just another pre- procedure drama thing, but it be so good? Do you know what I mean? Like it just and and is it that that the British one is less obvious? Well, it's it's kind of more. Or is that unfair? I don't. I think it's unfair, but I think like the the 
like the CIA ones, like a, it's it's sort of a Jack Ryan adventure, you know, like here's a hip, cool uh, guy yeah. sort of going on this sort of adventure and all these improbable, implausible things happen. Now, don't get me wrong, in the BBC one, there's impro- improbable and implausible things too. But it, you just think, oh, this is where this is going. And then that all happens in the next 10 minutes and you're like, okay, well, all the things I guessed have already happened. So what can happen next? You know, it sort of does, it sort of gets to that point quite quickly and so you're like okay and then you sort of rivet it whereas with the with the recruit I really enjoyed it I watched the whole thing but I was like okay this is where this is going to go and that's sort of where it went over the whole all the episodes but with the BBC one I was like okay I can see where this is going and then 10 minutes later it was there I was like okay what's going to happen next then and so so you sort of really are reeled in but they're both sort of very easy to watch can sit down and watch after dinner or whatever or when you have some spare time. Uh, we weren't watching the Boxing Day cricket test because uh, we, we don't have we don't have that uh, here, StreamJar TV. So those couple of days after Christmas when it was quiet, uh, we were able to do that. So that was my – they're my two recommendations. I do recommend them both, but they just are very different in their approach, I think. Now, my third mm-hmm. thing is I've been watching – shows in in my tv room my study with subtitles now not not with subtitles with closed captions so because you know you might not be concentrating you might be doing something else on your computer blah 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 and have the tv on in the background so having the sub having the closed captions on there just in case you miss um context or miss something you can see it and what what i've been noticing is is that okay I might be the last person to the party on this. And obviously there are Academy Awards for it and all this kind of stuff. So music, music and songs in shows, you you notice them and you hear the music and you know that music changes the theme and changes how you're feeling about what you're watching, whatever. The lyrics, those people that pick those songs, they're freaking amazing. If you have a look at the lyrics, so you think, oh, I like that song in here. The lyrics of what is happening describe almost perfectly in so many shows they describe the scene that you're seeing like I've never realized how closely actually it all aligns I've always thought oh that's just mood music or that's a cool song or whatever but if you watch with the closed captions on it shows you the lyrics of the song in the background of the scene you're like oh my god it's just mind-blowing I, I recommend doing it just for like a couple of couple of shows or a couple of episodes or a movie or something and you'll see it's just it's really really mind-blowing I, I've really it's I've just been quite impressed by it <laughs> I might and again I might be the so last it actually person to the, to it actually the adds value is that what you're saying like it no, I adds think, well, value to the experience I think it does add value to the experience um, I know that some people don't like it my husband hates it and so if we're watching something together he I can't have um, the closed captions mm. on but when I've been watching things by myself with the closed captions and then seeing the words to the songs and I was just like I was very very impressed and and sort of thinking there's so much more that goes into obviously <laughs> editing and production of things <laughs> than you than you do think about you know you just sit back and watch the finished <laughs> thing you know that's why there's the credits at the end with thousands of people there because there's been a lot of people working on this stuff <laughs> Lovely. Okay, Nikki Moffat, we are done for this week and we'll be back next week, I'm sure. Um, Enjoy your lazy first week of the new year. We're definitely very much in holiday mode here. I'm sure you are too. 
Yes, we are. Uh, we're about to get back to it, though, so I think that's fine. But, yeah, no, thank you very much, and I'll speak to you again next week. Happy 2023. Happy 2023.